0: Welcome to the markets sponsored by the CME Group. Dateline, Friday, August 10th, Chicago, Illinois. Hello again, along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orien Samuelson, here for our weekly get together to talk markets. Always fascinating, always interesting. And who would have thought a week ago that Turkey? the country would have an impact on Wall Street and global stock markets. But indeed, that's what happened today. And then, of course, in the world of agriculture, the first real crop report of the season based on not historic projections, but based on planted acreage, planting weather, and crop progress. So a lot to talk about. There were some shocking numbers in that uh, August crop report today, shocking to a lot of people, and I'll share that with you a little bit later. But who would have thought Turkey would have an impact on Wall Street? Well, it did this week. And as we ended the trading week today... Stocks moved lower, a deepening economic crisis in Turkey dragged on bank shares and triggered a move out of the riskier assets. The Dow and the S&P 500 posted declines for the week. Following five straight weeks of gains, but the S&P 500 still remains 1.4 percent below its record highs set back on January 26. A drop in technology shares added to the day's bearish tone. The S&P Technology Index fell eight tenths of a percent, with the Intel down two and a half percent after Goldman Sachs downgraded the stock to sell. Microchip technology shares down 11 percent after a disappointing second quarter revenue forecast and a slump in the Turkish lira worsened after President Trump doubled tariffs on steel and aluminum imported from that country. And one analyst said it was a classic risk-off move. You worry about the collateral damage. You worry about the effects on Europe. You have banks losing because the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield came down, and the S&P Financial Index was down 1.2 percent among the biggest drags on the S&P 500. The Dow down 196 points for the day. Ending the week at twenty five thousand three thirteen, the S and P five hundred down twenty points for the day, ending the week at twenty eight thirty three, and the Nasdaq composite down fifty two points, ending the week at seventy eight thirty nine, and for the week the Dow fell six tenths of a percent, the S and P five hundred dipped a third of a percent. On the other hand, the Nasdaq gained three tenths of a percent for the week after strong gains in some technology shares. But Citigroup, the most global of the major U.S. banks, down 2.4 percent for the day, and JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America also lower. One analyst in Virginia said anytime that there's any movement in currencies, financials tend to reap the contagion risks. And shares of trade-sensitive companies also declined, including Boeing, 3M, and Caterpillar, all down at least 1%. Now, a look at Tesla that was making news this week. Tesla shares ended up nine tenths of a percent, and the number of Tesla shares sold short rebounded and are now higher than before. Chief Executive Elon Musk on Tuesday proposed taking the electric car maker private, according to data from financial technology and analytics firm S3 Partners. And uh, Tesla and Mr. Musk came under the eyes of the uh, Securities Exchange Commission, who wondered if uh, he did some things he shouldn't have done, talking about taking the company private. Data today showed U.S. consumer prices rose in July, and the underlying trend continued to strengthen, pointing to a steady increase in inflation pressures. So the market will pretty much continue to expect more increases in the interest rate before the year is over. So now, what do we watch for next week? Well, Walmart, the world's largest uh, uh, brick-and-mortar retailer, reports second-quarter earnings on Thursday. The retailer has notched more than three straight years of comparable sales gains But its online performance failed to meet expectations during the holiday quarter. It recovered slightly during the first quarter. The company is also in the process of fixing its international business and has announced its decision to buy Indian e-commerce firm Flipkart. And so investors will be watching for details on Walmart's e-commerce performance, its U.S. investments, its overseas deals, and its plans for the rest of the fiscal year. Cisco Systems is expected to report higher fourth-quarter revenue on Wednesday, helped by strength in newer businesses such as cybersecurity. And then on Thursday, Chipmaker NVIDIA Corporation expected to report an increase in second-quarter revenue. Macy's expected to report higher second-quarter profit. That'll happen on Wednesday, bearing the fruit of strategies to combat declining footfalls. Macy's has been focusing for several years on expanding its loyalty program and growing Macy's Backstage, its off-price brand and analysts who have been cautious of the retailer's comparable store sales growth will watch for any signs of a sales turnaround. Tapestry Incorporated, they are the folks who make the coach handbags, will report fourth quarter results on Tuesday, fewer discounts and the acquisition of Kate Spade expected to boost profit, but investors will watch for the company's annual forecast, which has been projected below expectations for the past three years. J.C. Penney, boy, there's a name we've heard a long time and uh, have heard about their financial challenges. So J.C. Penney expected to post lower second quarter revenue on Thursday as it battles a drop in store traffic and again fierce online competition jc penny rattled by a ceo exit and senior management changes has been trying to turn its business around and investors will watch for any updates on that front now let's look at the economic calendar the commerce department on wednesday expected to say that retail sales increased just one tenth of a percent in Ju- july though lower than a five-tenths five, to five tenths percent increase in June. On the same day, the Mortgage Bankers Association scheduled to release its weekly Mortgage Market Index and Mortgage Applications data. Industrial production forecast increasing three-tenths of a percent in July after it was up six-tenths of a percent in the month before. And the import prices report on Tuesday expected to show an increase of just a tenth of a percent in July. And uh, anything else? Well, the unemployment benefits for the week ended August 11th. Those applications expected to increase to 218,000 from 213,000 in the previous week. Friday, in the world of agriculture, we'll keep a close eye on Deer & Company. It will release third-quarter earnings in pre-market hours, and the company expected to report higher profits on improving replacement demand for aging fleet. Investors will watch for comments on the impact of the global trade skirmish on U.S. farm income and equipment sales. So, uh, busy week once again, and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on a lot of things that have an impact on Wall Street. Today, a uh, kind of surprising story, at least I thought, when the story came out that VF, VF Corporation, exploring strategic options for its denim business that could include a sale or a spinoff of its Lee and Wrangler Jeans brands, that according to the Wall Street Journal report today. The company, VF, based in Greensboro, North Carolina, also makes Vans shoes and rakes in more than $2.5 billion in annual revenue. Its jeans business has seen demand slip, though, as big retailers, including Walmart, stock more of their own private label brands. And VF did not immediately respond to a request for comment today uh, issued by Reuters. So uh, that's some of what's happening in the stock market and Wall Street. Again, a foreign country playing a role in what happened on Wall Street, the country of Turkey certainly having an impact today. But, We haven't talked about the livestock situation and we haven't looked at the numbers in the August crop report. Some fascinating numbers there, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But we'll join Max Armstrong and his guest when we continue on the market sponsored by the CME Group. For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need, today and in the future. CME Group. Advance with confidence.
1: In the studio with us this weekend, Dennis Smith, Archer Financial Services, Dennis, let's talk about this livestock situation and begin by talking about hogs. And we're in kind of a long, dark tunnel here, it seems.
2: Boy, we've seen some real weakness, in fact, historical-type weakness in the cash hog market. We're just now beginning to discover, it appears like through several slaughter disruptions, kind of starting around the 4th of July, there was a tornado in Iowa. There was uh, some, some software upgrades by Smithfield. There was some other mechanical breakdowns. And when you're working with record large pork production, just a little bit of a backup in the slaughter pace, it seems like hogs were backed up, weights have come up. We've got to get these hogs killed. We've got to get things current. And that has created a real mess here in the short term. And
1: the producers, at least according to the June report, had not pulled in the reins on production.
2: No, in fact, uh, it, unfortunately, uh, the the expansion is sort of accelerated. It appears like, Max, that producers making a decision to even expand production a little bit more and approximately about three months before this tariff situation hit. So the timing was really bad as far as accelerating the expansion of the hog breeding herd.
1: We're still several weeks away from the September pig crop report. Will that show continued expansion you think?
2: Well we're not sure now that with this uh, really hard down in the cash hog market probably going to see signs of it tempering. I think Uh, a year from now we'll be talking about contraction
1: but the losses are piling up in other words the cost of production has to be significantly higher than the price right now is it not
2: yeah break evens vary by producer but i don't think there's anyone that has a break even low enough to make money at these prices so we are sustaining industry-wide losses on hogs right now yes
1: and this is even with cheap grain
2: oh i think so most definitely
1: well, now, let's talk about the uh, what's happening in, in terms of exports and, and what the tariffs have meant to the export demand and what role that has played. How have you sorted that out, Dennis?
2: Well, we are seeing a slowdown. I think that's pretty obvious, but I don't think it's quite as dramatic as expected. One reason I say that is pork is so cheap right now. China continues to import pork, U.S. pork. Now, their imports in June were down about 37 percent versus a year ago, but pork prices are so inexpensive right now, they can still pay the tariff, and they are importing pork at lower prices than what they were, say, a year ago. Mexico is doing the same thing with hams ham prices are incredibly cheap What's happening is other countries are picking it up. They are eyeballing the tremendous value of U.S. pork, and we are seeing increases in other countries trying to stabilize the export situation.
1: What countries are you talking about?
2: We're talking about, like, Colombia and Latin American countries, uh, South Korea, uh, even Japan. We're, We're seeing some real growth in some of these markets. Those
1: are countries that many of us didn't think about as being pork exporters.
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Colombia, for example, is becoming a very big piece of U.S. pork export business.
1: Now, here's the question that I guess comes into my mind as we look past, eventually somewhere down the road, past this trade war, will those countries still be firmly entrenched? I mean, I think about our soybean situation and the loss of market share that we are seeing, and will that come back to haunt us on down the road? What's your... uh, feeling about that pork market share that we've enjoyed, and the others are now proud to pick up.
2: Yeah, it's hard to say for sure, but what I what I do know for sure is we offer extremely high-quality pork product and a disease-free environment, and I hope it stays that way. We've got some new situations developing. For example, in China, African swine fever has been detected for the first time. This is a problem in Russia. Uh, other Baltic states. So I think we have the highest quality pork product in the world, and I think that will continue to serve our purpose and serve our benefit.
1: African swine fever in China, that would hurt their hog herd and their ability to produce, one would think. Could that then provide opportunities for others to sell there?
2: Well, it definitely will. One thing China does not do is export pork. They consume all that they raise. So it's not like uh, we're going to hurt an export uh, competitor, But uh, China is sitting on half of the world pig population. If that begins to spread in China, and let's hope it does not, then they've got a real problem. We do not want to see this spread in other countries in Asia either. This is the first time this has been detected in China, and they need to find out how it got there and then nip that in the bud.
1: Switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the
2: beef situation. Where are we now? What's happening here in the summer of 2018? Well, we've kind of got a trading market or a range-type market. We've had a tremendous demand surge in U.S. beef, and I'm talking both domestic demand as well as export demand. Recent export data, June beef exports were up 15% from a year ago. These are unheard-of type numbers. Uh, six-month data, January through June. Beef exports this year up 9% compared to the six months of last year. So we have working through the so-called wall of cattle in very good fashion. In the very short term, it looks like we're beginning to stabilize and we're kind of at the higher end of the range of trade.
1: And the industry can handle that kind of a jump in exports. In other words, uh, the the processing capacity, the exporting capacity of the industry is there to meet that kind of
2: increase in demand. You bet. The the industry more than ready and capable to continue to provide this type of product. And it's been a it's really bottomed out our cash steer market this summer, much higher than expected, which has been a real pleasant surprise.
1: What's behind that kind of a gain, and is that kind of an increase sustainable over the months ahead through the rest? this year dennis well
2: again i think i think it is uh is we have uh, again high quality disease free product uh the uh, if we can uh, stabilize uh, outside forces meaning like the u.s dollar uh if we can uh, keep beef out of the tariff free so to speak and let's hope that that remains the case Uh, i think you we can continue to sustain a very strong export potential
1: so how are the producers themselves doing here
2: well, it's questionable. It all depends upon the price of feeder cattle, and did you get them bought right? Uh, certainly, feed is is reasonable right now, and appears like it will be reasonable for the foreseeable future. But it's not. It's not a real gravy train. Some guys are making money. Some guys are not. It's really kind of on the on the line there of, uh, of how well did you purchase your replacement animals.
1: What's your price expectation then as you take a look at both beef and uh, the the pork side? First of all, for the cattle producers.
2: Well, I think you're going to see the the cash steer market stabilize here in the late summer. We're already into Labor Day demand. I think you see uh, cash prices pull back. But looking out in the next six months, I think you're going to see placements of cattle begin to taper off. We've had aggressive placements in the first half of the year. I think that's going to begin to slow down. And we begin to see a good, strong cash steer market develop in the uh, winter. Or say into the fourth quarter and first quarter of next year.
1: That's not bad news. Why, what kind of prices do you think about?
2: I think uh, you can see the December futures and the December, the, the cash market in the fourth quarter, 120 uh, versus the, uh, you know, 113, 114 area that we're looking at, maybe even higher. There's a possibility you can get fourth quarter, early first quarter, as high as 125 on that cash steer market.
1: Hate to end on a downer, but what do you see for hogs?
2: Hog market uh, is is going to be just an awful challenge here going into the fall season. We do have the packers gearing up. We've got second shifts coming into play. We've got a a lot of product. The good news is uh, product is incredibly cheap. And the other part is uh, futures are already at a sharp discount. We have baked in an awful lot of bad news into the current futures market. So at this moment from these prices, not real bearish, but you've got a Look for some lower uh, cash hog prices, into the, say, into the no, November uh, Thanksgiving time frame. Price
1: range of what?
2: Down into the, to the cash hog prices into the uh, 40s, uh, upper 40s is certainly a possibility. Uh, it's, it's not going to be a very good forecast.
1: We appreciate it always, the chance to visit with you, Dennis, and uh, your insight about what's going on in livestock and meats. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Dennis Smith with Archer Financial Services.
0: For more than 150 years, CME Group has been built with your confidence. Without it, we simply wouldn't be in business. Today, we continue to work on new and better ways to protect you and grow your confidence in the markets. After all, it's our vigilance that brings you the peace of mind you need today and in the future. CME Group. Advance. Advance. With confidence. It was a blockbuster report out today from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the first real crop report of the season based on actual happenings. And in that report today, USDA raised its outlook for domestic corn and soybean harvests by more than expected due to good weather during key phases of development. And how did the traders react to it? Well, let me share that with you. Jack Scoville with the Price Futures Group said, beans are just absolutely a bearish number. I think production will be too high in the end, but the rest of it is probably fine. And no wonder soybean futures are down 35 cents a bushel. It's an ugly number. The increase in production was well above any trade expectations. That's where the damage was done because they increased demand. Mark Gold with Third Ag Marketing said the bean number is so unbelievably large. If we don't do a trade deal with the Chinese... The American farmer is going to be in dire straits. A 785 million bushel carryout on soybeans, unprecedented. We just came from a low of $8.20 a bushel. Why wouldn't we take out those lows and be maybe pushing down to 780 or somewhere in that range? Another respected economist, Arlen Suderman, who is the chief A commodities economist with international FC Stone said, and I quote, USDA has certainly given the bears plenty of fodder with the big soybean ending stocks number. I think we're going to end up seeing stronger demand than what they're currently projecting. They're taking a pretty conservative approach, not knowing how the trade war with China will play out. And then Carl Setzer with Max Yield Cooperative said the soybean number caught everybody off guard. There's no worry in the market that we're running out of soybeans. We have a record corn yield above what we were expecting, and this gives us enough of a cushion that even if we do see some reductions to yield, we can still have a better-than-trend yield. And that has changed the outlook in corn. So uh, let's take a look at the story. That's what traders and analysts had to say. But the department raised its outlook for domestic corn and soybean harvest today. The increased domestic projections, which pushed futures markets sharply lower, will boost the U.S. soybean stockpile to its biggest ever, while a trade war with China threatens to shut off the top market for the oilseed, seed. And uh, Mark Gold with top third ag marketing said, the bean number is so unbelievably large. Chicago Board of Trade soybean futures down today 4.8%, and that is the biggest daily decline for the most active contract in three years. USDA also lowered its outlook for global wheat production and supplies as hot and dry conditions crippled harvest prospects in the European Union and other wheat-producing countries. The department boosted its outlook for 2018-19 soybean exports to uh, 2 billion, 60 million bushels after sharply cutting them in July, but soybean exports still expected to fall below the uh, 2017-18 total. Corn harvest for the crop year was seen at 14.58 billion bushels, third biggest corn crop ever. Yields were raised 4.4 bushels per acre to 178.4 bushels. That would top the previous record of 176.6 just a year ago. Soybean ending stocks forecast at 430 million bushels for the 17-18 marketing year and 785 million bushels for the 18-19 marketing year. And for corn, 17-18 ending stocks, 2,027,000 million bushels and the 2018-19 ending stocks seen at one6 billion bushels. But indeed, there were some uh, surprisingly large numbers, and the markets indeed reflected that at the end of the trading day, and we'll go over those numbers in just a moment. USDA also today raised its forecasts of the uh, corn and soybean yields more than had been expected, and uh, they also... uh, said that maybe crop insurance would be playing a pretty big role in next year's crop sales and projections. So uh, where did we end the day in uh, the grain market at the Board of Trade? Some big down numbers. September wheat Ended down 18 cents a bushel. It'll start trading Monday at $5.46 and 3 quarter cents. September corn down 12 cents a bushel, starting Monday at $3.57 and 3 quarter cents. But take a look at August soybeans, down 42 and a half cents a bushel today. That means they'll start Monday at eight dollars forty six cents a bushel, November soybeans down forty three and a quarter cents, and December corn down eleven and a half cents a bushel. Big drop in those soybean prices, particularly, so what about livestock? Well, as we ended the week on livestock, the nearby October lean hog contract dropped twenty cents a hundredweight. But after a limit up day, uh, up $3 uh, daily limit yesterday, but we'll start trading October hogs at $51.17 a weight. Live cattle futures for August up $0.25 cents for the day. And so we'll start trading Monday at $108.25 and August feeder cattle up $0.60 cents for the day. So we'll start trading at a $149.95. And uh, we don't talk about cotton very often, but cotton futures fell more than 2% to hit a one-month low today after the USDA unexpectedly raised its forecast for the cotton crop. And the most active cotton crop, the second-month December contract, settled down 2 a little over two cents. So anyway, that's what we're looking at. Oh, finally, spent the afternoon at a county fair in northern Illinois today and had a thoroughly enjoyable time. And again, I would urge you, because this is the busy season for county fairs and state fairs, take the family, go out and enjoy a day at the fair, and support an important part of American history. That's our time, along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson, saying thank you for joining us on The Markets, sponsored by the CME Group.